A new CBS poll says 51% of the country support building a wall. Now, don't tell the Democrats. Don't tell Congress because they might actually do something about this. Can somebody tell me why do the 49% of people who oppose a wall, what's their reasoning? Can somebody, I've never had anybody explain to me other than Nancy Pelosi who says walls don't do anything anyway. And it's so 1400s. Now, 63% of Americans believe that illegal aliens should be incarcerated and deported. Two-thirds of the country, pretty much, believe that you should send illegals back. And that's amazing after all that's happened, after the media pounds away at Trump and his inhumane border policies. And here's what's really amazing. This shows you the mindset of a lot of Americans, how they don't understand because the media has indoctrinated them with so much fake news. The same survey, most people said they disagree with Trump's border policy. They say illegals should be chucked out of the country, but they disagree with Trump's border policy. You see their ignorance here. And I blame some of them, but I don't blame all of them because of the media. And that is that Trump's border policy is in directly in line with their belief. He has had no choice, as we've told you ad nauseum. All Trump wants to do is deport them. He wants to detain them and deport them. The problem is there's this whole long process that it takes. And during that process, kids are not able legally to stay with parents, at least until the executive order. So he's been trying to carry out exactly what they say. In the same breath, you got two-thirds of the country saying we think that you should send illegals back, deport them, and yet they're saying we disagree with Trump's policy, even though he's trying to do just that, but his only legal resource is to separate parents from kids. 58% of Americans think that President Trump is smart, and 51% think he's a decisive leader. 58% think he's smart. Apparently, they didn't get the memo that Trump speaks on a fifth-grade level. I mean, it's just amazing. Now, even after the media has pounded on Trump, literally nonstop for almost two years now, well, for really almost three years, but, but if you count the campaign. And uh, as a listener pointed out, you know, I said that you see how ineffective the media has been at trying to brainwash the country because there's still so many people here who support President Trump and see through them. Well, uh, the, you have to make the point here that it's, yes, people are intelligent out there, but the media has done a ton of damage. It's not like, well, people just ignore the media. The smart people ignore the media. I can only imagine if the media was just neutral. I'm not saying to be pro-Trump, but just it's like 90% of media coverage is negative to Trump. If they were just literally 50-50 and towed the line, I can only imagine the kind of overwhelming support the country would have for President Trump and all the amazing positive things that he's done, whether you agree with him or disagree with him about the border and tariffs. Those are two issues out of just a huge number, huge range of issues where Trump has done so much to drain the swamp, undo the terrible damage that Obama did, make the country safer, make the country more prosperous economically. Uh, President Trump tweeted he demands that there's an open door hearing for Peter Strzok. P P Trump says you've got to have an open door hearing on live television for Peter Strzok. They're, they're saying the House is saying that it's going to be private, that it's going to be a closed door meeting. Of course, President Trump is 100% right. The American people have a right to know. Congress is just there representing us, and we have an absolute right to know what has gone on with Peter Strzok. How has he been allowed? He wants to tell his side of the story. How has he been allowed? You know, only after they subpoenaed him did he suddenly want to tell his side of the story. And he, he still has a job. He is still getting paid by the FBI after he said, we're going to stop this guy from becoming president. We're going to stop one of the candidates from becoming, from becoming president. This is supposed to be a government worker. And, you know, all the other incriminating texts, all the other incredibly biased, 
pro-Hillary, anti-Trump, more than anti-Trump. He was clearly trying to conspire and sabotage Trump, and he managed to get on all the investigations against Trump. I mean, and really, and almost run them at one point. Unbelievable. And, uh, you know, is Gowdy on this committee? I can't wait. If Gowdy's on this committee and it they do manage, they've got to make this thing televised. And I mean, I can only imagine how they are going to just tear this guy to pieces as he deserves. Here's the quote from Trump. The hearing of Peter Strzok and the other hating frauds at the FBI and DOJ should be shown to the public on live television. Not a closed door hearing that nobody will see. We should expose these people for what they are. There should be total transparency. Follow us on Twitter at the Politics Zone at the Politics Zone, and you can text 40404 and you text the words follow at symbol the Politics Zone, no spaces. Now, some of you have called up and you said you're concerned about our new system here, where we're going to keep the shows up for two days and then they're going to disappear after two days. And two days is a long time. Look, we're going to test it out. You know, if we see that there's a drop off, if we see that it just doesn't work for people, we're always open, always very you know open here to hearing your feedback. And you can always leave us voicemails or send me an email at thejewishnewschannel@gmail.com. So don't panic. Well, look, let's wait and see what how it goes. Now, Rich Lowry at the National Review points out that. Something has got to give here, and and border fatigue, I know I have border fatigue too, so we're just going to spend another few seconds on it, and that is that the due process going on, due process as they call it, going on at the border, basically you're just inviting people in here who do not deserve to be in this country, and it's just completely, completely way out of hand. They've got to revamp the system because people are gaming the system. And what ends up happening is they end up staying in this country for years, even though they have no right to. And it's because we give them this due process because we, we put them through, you know, and we, they have hearings and they're really catch and release and then more hearings. And then we hope they'll come back. Not, here's the, here, here's the, here are the stats. 90% of people who come to the border get put into the asylum process. Nine out of 10 people. Now, only 20% actually are granted asylum. Out of the the 90% come in, only 20%. So it's a tiny percent, small percentage of that number actually get asylum. Why is that happening? Because they're too loose with what they call an asylum candidate. In other words, 90% of people become asylum candidates because all they have to do is just say the right words, magic words. You know, they get coached by people, by lawyers, by their cousins, whoever. They come to the border, they say the magic words, and boom, okay, you're in the asylum process. Here, you've hit the jackpot. Then when they actually go through the long, years-long uh, process of hearings and all that other stuff, and it's actually investigated, it turns out they discover that they're not, they, they don't deserve asylum. Who knows if even the 20% that come here really deserve asylum. But you know, by then, it, very often it's too late. A lot of people don't even come back for the hearings. They've been in the country for years. It costs the taxpayers uh, just an outrageous, exorbitant sum of money, uh, not to mention using up you know, the judicial process, detention centers, etc. So they've got to simply revamp the system where they have a better screening process and exactly what Trump said. This is what Larry was doing, defending what Trump said, which is forget the judges, forget the court cases, just send them back. I mean, this is just completely ludicrous. All right. Rod Rosenstein continues to play games with Devin Nunez. He's totally calling his bluff here. Nunez says, we're going to impeach you. We're going to hold you in contempt. We're going to throw you in jail. And, you know, Paul Ryan said the same thing. And Rosenstein called their bluff. And, well, you know, here's some things. We'll get some more. Don't worry. Well, you didn't get it yet. We're going to do another deadline. Oh, another deadline. No, this time, this deadline is serious. Not like the last 17 deadlines. This deadline is for real. You're really going to get impeached now. Okay, here's some other stuff. Well, we're going to pass this along to them and pass this along to that. And 
this is like just such a charade. I mean, I really, I've said it before, I'm just embarrassed by this whole thing because we're sitting here watching it. They almost don't realize how silly they look. And I'm talking about Congress because Rosenstein is totally toying with them. He's getting the upper hand. Now, the only thing I can believe at this, and he's never going to be impeached. It's clear that they're just never going to carry out, follow through with their threats. Now, Rosenstein, I'm thinking that he's protecting himself. This is not about the country. This is not even about, you know, the DOJ or the FBI. Excuse me. Clearly, Rosenstein was involved, you know, in this cabal when he got struck and Page and Andrew McCabe and just these these FBI senior members uh, all and Spygate, you know, just all conspiring to sabotage Trump and saying, we'll stop him. You know, and uh, viva la resistance, one of them said in their text. So Rosenstein has, is clearly complicit, and he's just trying to protect himself, and he may succeed. Amazingly, he actually may succeed. Now, if they impeach Rosenstein, by the way, who would even object? You know, the Democrats don't like Rosenstein. The Republicans are not going to object. I, I, I don't know what they're waiting for. You know, obviously, they're afraid to rock the boat here so close to the midterms. I'm, I'm amazed that Trump doesn't declassify these documents. You know, Trump usually is not afraid of the optics with this kind of thing. You know, and by the way, Nunez wrote a letter, one of the letters last week to Rosenstein. He said, you know, you, we ask you questions, and then you don't give us the answers, and then we say, well, why didn't you give us this detail? And you say, well, you didn't ask. Why didn't you give us this detail? He's like, well, you're waiting for us. This is what it says in the letter. You're waiting for us to ask the magic question. It is unacceptable that you're waiting for us to to ask the magic question. In other words, forcing us to, like, say the exact words before you give us any answer. Totally toying with them. Now, here's a tweet from President Trump. Quote, I've tried to stay uninvolved with the DOJ and FBI, although I do not legally have to stay uninvolved because of the now totally discredited and very expensive witch hunt currently going on. So he's trying to stay uninvolved, telling you he's doing it because he doesn't want to get attacked by Mueller. But you do have to ask why the DOJ and FBI are not giving over requested documents. That was Trump's tweet, I believe, on Sunday or Monday. Now, I, I went to the Department of Motor Vehicles and I had to spend several hours at the very exciting Department of Motor Vehicles. Every time I go there, like I almost need, <clears throat> excuse me, therapy sessions afterward, like to recover. It's just such a depressing place. And here's what's incredible. After spending a couple of hours there, I knew this would happen. This always happens to me is, you know, there's something wrong. There's something wrong with my paperwork or I need to go back and get something else. And it was late in the day and I had to run somewhere. And, you know, they tell me there's a certain issue. So here, here are my options. I can go to my car. There was license plates in my car that I didn't think need to be sur needed to be surrendered. And they say, listen, if you surrender the license plates today, then we may be able to help you. But if you want to keep these license plates, then you're going to have a problem, have to pay a lot extra. I said, all right, I'll go surrender the license plates. And no, 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 no. It's after four o'clock. We lock the doors at four o'clock. So once you get out of here, you can't get back in. And it's like, well, can't you just unlock the door? There must be a key, right? Somebody must be able to open. No, 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 sir. You don't understand. When the door is locked, the door is locked, you can't get back in. So that wasn't an option. So I'm paying, literally, I'm paying at least 65 or $80 extra because they wouldn't let me go to my car after 4 o'clock. You know, and this is after it takes a couple of hours, you know, with the bureaucracy sitting and waiting and everybody's just waiting online and nobody's in a rush. You know, you just feel like you're in this government agency, which you are, where just everybody's taking their time. And so then it gets even more incredible you know, I had to call my car insurance company and get a paper faxed. And they, I said, all right, what's the fax number? They said, no, you don't understand. It's after 4 o'clock. The, no, the fax machine is off. Well, I said, well, can you turn it back on? Well, no, we, you don't understand. It's off. Like, the fax is off already. And to them, like, the idea of thinking out of the box is just 
totally beyond them. I, I was shocked. So finally, they were able to consult with one of the supervisors who said, yeah, all right, we could turn the fax machine on for 10 minutes. Now, here's what's amazing. You have this long wait at the DMV. Everything is so confusing. I mean, it's just the whole system is just so messed up. And then I call Geico, you know, the insurance company. Literally within 30 seconds, they're faxing it to me. They're so polite and courteous. And it's like, yeah, no problem, sir. No problem. We understand. And within 30 seconds, they had sent the fax. This guy on the phone, he says, you know, what? I'll wait on the phone just to make sure that they check it and everything is accurate. He waited for about five minutes while they were busy stalling before they were able to check the fax machine. So the contrast there between government versus private industry, Geico's a great company, at least I've had great experiences with them, and unbelievable how you see private industry versus government. And by the way, everybody in the DMV is depressed. I don't just mean the people you know, like me, the customers, but the people behind the counter. You know, They're just so depressed. You ever look at them, there's not a smile, they're not joking around. And it's like, yeah, we work for the government. You know, They sense it, like they know they're in a dead-end job. They understand how backward the whole system is. All right, the immigration bill, the compromise bill, it's failing, you know, and uh, they're saying they're going to have a vote on Wednesday. They don't have the votes. You know, amazing how uh, Paul Ryan and Congress, they just cannot get it together. They just cannot manage to fund the wall. I don't care about this immigration bill. I don't think that Republicans are going to lose in November because they haven't gotten a bill on the Dreamers, on DACA. Some of them will, but that's going to be very few and far between. But not having built a wall, that's going to kill them. I mean, the Republicans, if they lose, and I'm very optimistic, I don't know why, you, you wouldn't think I would be at this point with how disastrous Congress has been. But, you know, if they don't have a wall, if they don't have funding for a wall in November, that's egregious. I mean, that is completely inexcusable. All right. Mark Warner, Democrat Mark Warner, the ranking member of the Senate Intelligence Committee. He was joking around. He was at some, I guess, private gathering of Democrat supporters, donors. And he says, oh, you should know about all the private information that I only only Mueller and I know. Nobody else knows. He says, you give me a few cups of wine and I'm going to unload. You're going to hear things that will shock you. He says, get ready, buckle up for a wild ride, you know, because Mueller's going to be uh, outing, exposing all this information, revealing all this information here in the next few months before November. Well, this is amazing. You're telling me that Mark Warner, you're telling me there's like this little, just the, the two of them have this little... Uh, thing where they know information that nobody else knows and some, somehow Mark Bob, Bob Mueller is letting Mark Warner in on the secret? Well, can you smell Democrat conspiracy here? I mean, yeah, Mark Warner, I understand his position. He has access to Bob Mueller. Very few people in Congress do. Very few senators do. But you're telling me that Mueller is telling him all this dirt about President Trump and saying, well, don't tell anybody this, but you know, we're going to we're gonna reveal it soon enough. We're going to expose Trump soon enough. I mean, what is going on? Isn't Bob Mueller supposed to be objective, right? He's a man of total integrity. I mean, Bob Mueller, he, every every fiber in him has a has has total integrity and objectivity, and he's going and secretly telling Mark Warner things. I mean, and then you know, Mark Warner says now he was just kidding around and trying to excuse it and walk it back. Here's the quote: "If you get me one more glass of wine, I'll tell you stuff that only Bob Mueller and I know. It's going to be a wild. It's going to be a wild ride. Buckle up. It's going to be a wild couple of months." So if, if Mueller is just this objective investigator who's just trying to get to the facts, trying to get to the truth, how is it that Mark Warner is basically telling you here that he and Bob Mueller sit and chat about all the dirt on the Trump campaign? Unless you tell me Warner is excited about all the dirt that's going to come out about Hillary and Obama and Spygate. Somehow, I don't think that's the case. Unbelievable stuff. This is totally shocking. You know, I mean, I'm not shocked by anything, but in theory, it's incredibly shocking. And... Uh, See, Rosenstein and, and Mueller, the DOJ, they, they have a huge problem right now in a good way for us because uh, what are they going to do? You know, assuming they don't indict the Trump campaign, what are they going to do? Just like say, all right, close it up. 
No more indictments. Like, we're done. All right, no Russia collusion. And not tell anybody what they've uncovered. They should not tell anybody what they've uncovered because as everybody went crazy with, with Comey, you don't reveal the details of an investigation. If you indict, you indict. It goes to court or, you know, or maybe it goes to Congress for impeachment. But if you don't, then, yeah, you're not supposed to just reveal dirt for the sake of revealing dirt. And that's where Comey went wrong on Hillary. It benefited Trump, benefited the Republicans. But that is, has been the protocol forever basically, uh, in the DOJ, FBI, and with the special counsel. So if Rosenstein, the hypocrisy, in fact, Rosenstein recommended the firing of Comey to Trump for that exact reason, wrote up a whole report about how uh, Comey was totally unethical and went against the protocol of the FBI when he held that press conference about Hillary laying out all the crimes she committed before he said he wasn't going to uh, indict her because of intent, because there was no intent. So now Mueller's going to do the same thing if he doesn't. Then, I mean, talk about egg on his face. You know, how silly is he going to look? $20 million and all the, this time investigating. And all he has for us is Manafort and Flynn committing crimes in Ukraine back in like 2008. All right, that's going to do it for today. We thank you for joining us and we will see you next time.